What is up? Welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is, it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. Okay, today my guest is Jessica Killings. Jessica is an entrepreneur, model, and actress, as well as fitness and fashion influencer who has gained over 2 million followers on social media and used her network to influence and run marketing campaigns for companies like Anheuser-Busch, Monster Energy, Postmates, Lyft, and countless more over the last eight years. She also co-founded Elevator Studios, which is the prominent influencer marketing agency here in Los Angeles and brandishes names such as Dan Bilzerian and Lindsay Pelas. While she continues her work in marketing and entertainment, she's also an investor in vegan restaurants. Her and eight other women run an investor syndicate and recently opened Sugar Taco on Melrose Avenue. If you're a local or if you're visiting, I strongly encourage you to go. I love the food there, especially because I love tacos. Beyond that, Jessica has been featured in Forbes, XXL, Show Magazine, as well as featured on the TV show, Could It Be You, which aired on MTV and BET. You can find her on the gram, at Jessica Killings on Facebook, official Charm Killings, and Twitter, Charm Killings. So without further ado, please enjoy this far and wide ranging conversation with my lovely friend, Jessica Killings. What is up and welcome to Zen Business. We are so stoked to be here tonight and so stoked to have you listening. I am Jonathan Maxim and I'm joined by Jessica Killings, the legendary model, investor, Entrepreneurista, is that how you say it? Sure, I guess if we're making up words. Yeah, we are making up <laughs> words tonight. As well as Jordan Jones, he is the founder of Scara CBD. It is a very unique CBD company that provides something that you can put on your face as well as sick as CBD ingestible. Mm-hmm. So we're really stoked to be here tonight. We are in Marina Del Rey, California prepping for an event tonight called Zen Business, which is kind of aligned to the podcast. But uh, I'm just really honored to have both of you here this evening. And it feels you. great to be here, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. This is fun. Yeah, so uh, Jessica, talk to us about the, the watch that's on your hand. This, this whole thing? Yeah. I mean, I don't really like to talk about jewelry or materialistic items. Okay. More so accomplishments. I don't know. That stuff makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I feel like everybody just is, they lie so much about what they're making or what they're buying mm. or what they're, so to me, I just try to stay away from it altogether. Great start for me to uh, say something <laughs> that you're very uncomfortable with at the beginning of the podcast. Well, well, what, what about an accomplishment that you're proud of recently? Um, I mean, a few months ago, my friends and I have opened up a restaurant called Sugar Taco, and mm. it's a group of women investors that are putting everything together, and I'm also a co-founder of a social media ad company called Elevator. Oh, wow. Well, that's definitely something to be proud of. Yeah. <laughs> something to buy a piece of jewelry ever. Yeah, something. A little something, something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed ever since we first started working together, we've been hanging out and working for like, what, a few months now? Yeah, I time noticed flies. That, yeah. A lot has happened. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> we worked with Monster at this point, did yeah. an event with close to a thousand people, worked with Sugar Taco. He just got me into the YEC. Yeah, and now Jess is going to be writing for Forbes. Yeah. And you, you, can, you know you can also publish on Inc. Yes. There too. I found that out. Yeah, I'm going to show you how. Yeah, you're the best. Um, I'm so excited about that. My so. honor. So, yeah, I mean, me and Jordan both run e-commerce companies and, and I run a marketing company. What's it like opening a restaurant? That seems like a ton of freaking work. Mm. It's a lot of work. I think because there are so many of us just taking on whatever jobs in front of us. And I think a lot of us are not so much. We all have roles, but at the same time, we're all just picking up whatever slack and kind of working together. So it's easy when you have a team like that that's working together. 
wearing a hundred different hats. We're all wearing so many hats. Yeah. yeah. So we're all helping like market and get business, get people in there, do events. We're just all constantly working on growing the business. Is it, is it something that you came up with or is it like a business opportunity that you were presented with? Or I was presented with it. My girlfriend, who's basically like the nucleus of the group, has a lot of restaurant experience. She helped open up Toka Madeira and Takaya and a nightclub. I just found out she did Takaya. Yeah. And Takaya. Do you guys remember Cake Nightclub? Yeah. Yeah, that was she was a part owner of that club. So she has a lot of hospitality experience. She's brilliant. She is. And um I have known Jade for years because I just would hire her through my social media company for a really long time. That's also how I know Jade and Lindsay. So a lot of my girlfriends, some of them end up my friends because I'm working with them so often. And that's kind of what it was with all of them and Emily and like a couple other girls that are a part of our group. So we kind of just built relationships. And because I had a, already a, a pretty strong business relationship with her over the years, for me, I, did, I didn't really feel uncomfortable investing. She made me feel like someone's just as neurotic as me, so. <laughs> yeah. Neurotic people yeah. are great to work with. Yeah. 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 Yes and no, but mostly yes. yes. No. <laughs> mostly yeah. yes. Yeah, it's, it's some no's. You know, it can be a little bit overwhelming but it's you know that the job's gonna get done mm. so oh yeah so i don't mind dealing with stuff and i'm sure she doesn't mind dealing with me because we know that we're gonna get things done but we get along pretty well i find it really funny that like okay all of us have started multiple companies at this point that's how we're at this table we we had this backing and then we came to together as kind of like like minds in business i'm sure you well ele- way elevated in in many arenas with the social media and stuff but you know I find it funny that now starting Friendly Paws, my online pet CBD company, just today, in a crazy day of planning this event, I'm running to the post office making mail drops and standing in the line at the post office and I'm like, man, this is a horrible use of my time. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing what the, the facilities manager or the janitor is doing or, you know, maybe an intern would normally be doing. So every time I go into a new venture, I find myself doing like, all of this, like, quote-unquote, low-value work. Yeah, I don't feel like there's a such thing as low-value work. Mm. I, I, just, I was, just, I was just, just about to say that. I too. feel like it's, all those are so important. It's, so. it's really important, especially as a business owner, to actually have done it. Because then it's easier to tell people to do it if you've done it before. It's kind of like I'll never tell you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's that's something that you know when I you know when I train employees or anything, it's like I've done this. I am the one that has set up this system, and I know the pitfalls. And you have more of an intimate understanding of what to look out for yeah. when you're training somebody. So like standing in let's just say you're at the post office, right? And maybe you've, you've been at the post office five or six times and you realize, why the fuck am I sitting in this line here when I can go to the kiosk? You know what I'm saying? Maybe your employee wouldn't know to go to the kiosk. And now you know something so simple as just an observation of you. You can cut the time in half. So it's like, it is important. I, I totally understand the sentiment of like, what am I doing in the post office? Yeah. I get the sentiment get for sure. Because it's like, okay, I'm going to mail these 10 items that are going to make me a margin of X that's not that much money. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I completely understand the sentiment, and I like 30% feel that way, too. Like, this is stupid, why am I here? But it is important, because then you can have a different perspective whenever you're doing those little things to duplicate yourself, and then that person can work the most efficiently, you know? Yeah, I, during that process, I was like, no, you have to humble yourself and do all this work, all this shit work, mm. you know, my pride saying that it's shit work. Yeah. You, know, you have to do this because you're gonna need to have, know how to delegate it, but also like, like you mentioned, I, I, I went to the kiosk and I filled it out and, and the keypad like wouldn't work. It was like the touchscreen was really bad mm. and they wouldn't allow you to just multiply the postage times like 10 when you're done. You have to weigh every package individually. And so I'm like, I'm sweating. There's this huge line, <laughs> and these really sweet ladies are like waiting, but like patiently. I'm like, ladies, I'm sorry. Like, I'll get done soon. <laughs> and I eventually, after two packages, I bowed out, and then I got in the regular line. Yeah. And then they they batch 
them and did them Yeah, so, so there is a very distinct difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Some intern might have just stood in line for two hours and then wasted a bunch of or time. Or they would have just left and been like, I tried. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's when you fire Most people will give up, though. Especially in those type of jobs, like they're not really going to go out of their way. So I feel like the mm. easier that I make things for people and simple that I make things for people, the more likely they are to get done. Mm. Yeah, make it like a like a package, basically. Yeah, and that's easier to do if you've done it yourself. Exactly. Rather than, um, I think it works like this, um, do this, the internet. And they respect you more. You get more respect when people see that so you're going to do the work. I think that's one of the most important things, the cultural effect that like, I'm always willing to get my hands dirty. I'm always willing to do what you do. We're all basically loud here. Mm, yeah. It's, it's everything. It's I everything. I like it. I like doing the work. When it we show fun. up to catering events, people are like, you guys are actually working? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's my so, business. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's a part of entrepreneurship that people don't see. Like, they just see, oh, it's, I'm going to make money and I'm going to get all this respect. And then, <laughs> but behind you don't see, like, the sweat and uh, the times where you're, like, struggling or you can't figure it out or you're doing all the work because you can't afford an assistant or you can't. Most of the time, even if you can afford an assistant, it's really hard to find someone to help you oh, with your dreams. It's impossible. They get a, yeah, it's they get almost a little, impossible. They get a little bit resentful. And I feel like when you're successful, no amount of money is good enough. They always expect to be getting almost as much as you're making. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's very strange. Yes. Yeah, so I found that there's like a short time frame where like they'll work really hard for like three months. If and that. And there's like a tipping point and they're like, oh, I want to be I should be in front of the cameras. I should be the one on stage. And then it, it like becomes this like dissonant thing where they become distant, distant, distant. And then one day they quit. And you're like, dude, I just invested so much time and heart into you. All yeah. this mentorship, I pay for all this stuff mm-hmm. for you. And, and now you're like, you want to take the stage? My, my old assistant did this. <clears throat> and I hate to say They this. always come back. He, he hit me up. He's like, man, you're really going hard with those events. Looks like you're doing really well. So he quit, and this is how I took ownership of the pet CBD company, was he, he left to start that. He left under my mentorship to go start that company. Mm. I invested in it, and then he got his payment processor suspended. Really common in the CBD world. And it was a shakeout. It was kind of hard to do, but I went through, and eventually, being persistent entrepreneur, I got a payment processor approved, and actually today I shipped out 10 packages, which is like... Nice. It's been a drag getting this company going because mm-hmm. we didn't have any organic audience. But anyway, my assistant left thinking he could do it all himself. And within like three months, he moved out of LA back to live with his parents. And then he started hitting me up, asking me for marketing advice. I'm like, dude, I told you your training wasn't done. <laughs> like there's way more to learn. Like you worked for me for like six yeah, months and I've been doing this for 10 plus years. Because they, they don't understand that it's so hard. They have no like, idea. You should actually just stay an employee. It's really nice that if you have a, job, a side hustle or a job, I tell people keep your job. Mm-hmm. Because I've been saying the keep, same thing too. Keep your job until you have something that that is at least working. And I made that mistake back in 2013. I was like top salesman at eSurance, just crushing it as like a young 20 something. And I couldn't, I couldn't even go into work. Like, yeah, I was working four days a week, like making good money. And like, I, I could, I could work from home when I wanted to. And even still, I felt ill going into work. Like I, like, like we were talking about the other day, entrepreneurship is for some people and it's not for other people. And for me, it is like, I can't not do it. I have to work for myself. I have to figure it out my own way. And I, but it's not for everybody. It's definitely not. It's, but it's, that's the thing though. That's what's really tough is telling people, okay it's either for you or it's not it's like you, you, ha- you kind of you kind of have to figure it out they for yourself to, yeah. yeah so 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 you know yes it is a sound it is sound advice to say keep your day job work on a side hustle for sure but as far as when it comes to taking that leap it's like just you just got to find out the hard way or else yeah. you will never know and you might die thinking i i never i never took that leap i never tried so it's yeah. kind of to me it's like the way i looked at it was if I want to sell insurance again, I can go into any insurance company. No, but that's that's how I looked at it. Though yeah. I was like, I took the leap, and I was like, I I have this body of work that I can just show anybody. I can go into progressive. I can go wherever. I can 
just walk in there and just be like, here's my resume, let me sell you this mug. And then, because that was, that's part of the sales process when you get, when you get, yeah, when you get a job. And so I was like, okay, well that's comforting, but I would say, cautionary tale, that I didn't really have a real plan either. <laughs> so I learned the hard way, and I still stuck with it. And so, you know, it's working out for me now, but like five years later. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, yeah. I think everyone. Every time I talk to somebody who's like I, I respect, and I'm like, this is a high level entrepreneur, really hardworking person, role model personality. They're like, oh well, I had to learn the hard way. Who of us three have not not had to learn the hard way? I did. Uh, can you tell us about the learning the hard way? I mean, I think just having the right attitude, appreciating the opportunities that you have, because sometimes when you're like on fire, you're like, whatever, like I don't have to deal with that, you know? And you don't appreciate everything that's in front of you until the opportunities are gone, and then you kind of have to humble yourself, reevaluate everything, and work again, you know? I think that sometimes happens to people. It's happened to me before. Mm. And I definitely started appreciating things again. But as far as like jumping into a business, I've always, I think I had an experience when I was younger. And because of that, I never put myself in that situation again. You know, the recession, mm. all that stuff hit everybody really hard. And I used to sell cars. I was a car salesperson for years. So I was the same, super young. I didn't know much about money. Mm. My family didn't have money. So I was just like spinning it up, running it up. Yeah, you know, right, I'm yeah. like, whatever. And then you think you're like hot shit or hot, sorry. Can I say that? Yeah, you can yeah. fucking guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think you're hot shit because you're 18 and you're making all this money, especially when you're in grow up in a neighborhood where nobody's making money. Oh, yeah. So you're just filling yourself and spending too much, and then the recession hit. It was like, screw Yeah. So I think that was a good moment for me because ever since I was just like, okay, that's never going to happen to me again. I'm going to always be prepared. I'm going to always stack up. I'm going to always have more than one form of income. You learned re- so a lot true. earlier than a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah, I learned at like 27 to like 29. That was like my hardest years in entrepreneurship. Mm. Sounds like you guys learned much younger, but. Well, I mean, I mean, the recession hit my family. I was uh, 16 and I had to start paying the bills. So I know, like, we, we went from living in a two story beautiful house in the suburbs to moving in with my grandma and eating yeah, peanut I butter and jelly and like oatmeal. I was <laughs> like, minus on my bank account. I've, I've been taking care of my family since a young age. Uh-huh. So wow. I think I already was aware of like, I had to make money and work and I was already aware of my credit and certain stuff. I had to grow up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So because yeah. of that, that's why I didn't go through that when I was a lot older. Got to learn earlier. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that being said, I mean, I, I thought I'd learned earlier, but I still had a lot to learn in the last few years specifically with I would say like resting on my laurels that was like the toughest thing because I worked so many years uh, trying not to be poor and then the second I started actually reaping some benefits I kind of was like well I've spent so many years running away from poverty that I am not really running towards anything and it was weird I I got pretty depressed so I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck or just scraping to make the bills anymore. I'm not rich, but like I could not work for the next whatever six months or something and and be okay. And I was like, damn, what am I doing? I had no real vision. So uh, that that was a whole learning process. Yeah, there's a reckoning that happens once you like get money and you buy the totally. things you want, like the car. The and you're like, that's it. So I'm like, true. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I don't feel better now, you know? And then you have to think like, okay, what even makes me happy? I am I spent so much time trying to like struggle and get money and status. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I've accomplished so much and I'm successful in a lot of people's eyes. But I'm like, what am I even doing now? I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in your late 20s, early 30s, you kind of have this reckoning where it's like, oh, I got money now. I've got a lot of friends. I'm I'm generally pretty happy, but like this, I, I, it's like you've just gotten out of the woods at that point, and then a lot of people have an identity crisis. For yeah. me, I mean, I went like down a spiritual route, and I'm like, I'm gonna go find my purpose really clearly, and I'm glad mm-hmm. I did though. I mean, it's it's led me to where we are, you know, organizing events and teaching people to meditate and things like that. But you know, it's it's definitely pretty weird when you get out of the woods and you're like, all right, now I can coast a little bit. I have money. I've 
bought the things that I want to buy and invest in the companies I want to invest in. But it's, it, it is weird because you're kind of like just left in this like lull almost. Mm, yeah. I, I love that metaphor too, getting out of the woods and you're, you're in the desert now. It's like, yeah. what am I going to do with this? I held all these obstacles back here and now there's new ones, but it looks totally different. Totally so I have different. to deal with and this. the goal has become so big, it's like crazy. Yeah, and then you have these goals that you never even thought could be your goals, you know? Because I didn't think I would be doing that well at this age. Mm. But. Yeah, so what, what, Jessica, for you, what is the... Now that you've gotten out of the woods, you've hit a great stride in your career. You have, I mean, you probably have like 10 different type of investments and incomes coming in or more. What is the big goal? What is the big, hairy, scary goal? I think the big goal is to just do more for other people. I feel like I learned when I'm kind of lost that the best way to find yourself is to look outside of yourself. So just being able to help more people and kind of working to get to a level where I can my goal is to pay for most people's child expenses so expensive it's so expensive and I feel like a lot of times growing up my mom would spend the majority of her paycheck on childcare, or I would be by myself because it's just so expensive they make it like it's impossible and it and it affects our economy in so many ways so it's like it's really changed neighborhoods and done a lot for people when they don't have to pay for childcare. So I'm involved with a charity. I'm just getting involved with a charity that provides childcare for single mothers and parents. And that's something that I kind of want to work on myself, like building my own organization. But I'm still, I'm just, right now I'm working because I just want it to be a really big project. That's a big deal. Yeah. I think about how that enables single mothers well it helps the neighborhood a lot of crime is happening because people are taking care of their kids mm-hmm. like you know or their kids are, are unsupervised or their kids are with the wrong people yeah. and doing the wrong things after school pro- programs and childcare. it makes such a big deal it, it just it all trickles down mm-hmm. to the whole neighborhood so you're like getting to the root of this mm-hmm. the, all, all of the big bad crimes starts when kids are super young yeah. and they're around it. I mean, even I was around it super young. We were like testing car doors and seeing if they're unlocked and seeing if we could steal shit out yeah. of them. And when I went to the High State Desert Prison, which is like Pelican Bay, I went up there to volunteer like a month ago. We did this activity called Step to the Line. And basically like the, the volunteers are on one side and then the inmates or the incarcerated are on the other side and we would step forward when different statements were made. And it would be like, I have less than 50 books in my house growing up, or I had financial problems in my family as a kid. And so everyone would step up, and then there would be this like point of relation between you and these people. And of course, you know, we're way more alike than we maybe realized before. But one of the questions was, uh, I was first arrested at 30 years old. And then a bunch of people stand up, and then I was first arrested at 20 and then 15, and then 10, and went all the way down, and like when it was just people who were first arrested at like five to seven years old, there was like 10 people up there. And That's one insane. of them was first arrested at four years old. He was, That's he so was, sad. Wow. His mom was doing a drive-by, and he was in the passenger seat. And, and all of the other stories are like, oh, I was with my mother, or I was with some gang members, and they made me go, they gave me a gun and made me go do a hit. And these kids are like seven years old and doing their first crime. And it's like, if, if that kid had been at, you know, some kind of... After school program. After school program. Help. Yeah. Any it's of that. so sad. And it was crazy because it was like over 30% of the guys were arrested prior to 10 years old. 10 years old. Can you imagine going to jail the first time at 10 years old? Yeah. That's it's like, what, how can you even get out of that? You can't. That's just your life. That's all you've known. Yeah, it's not even your fault. It's the it's your environment. It's your parents. It's it's not even anyone's really fault either. It's just like the the environment. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we all share the blame for it, but like I, I say that all because you know, looking at like how important childcare is, I've never even really thought about how important that is, especially in you know underprivileged areas where there's more single mothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sure. going out to play. Yeah. Tired and stressed out from working all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my mom literally giving up opportunities herself because like I need somebody to watch the kids and I this is a better job but it doesn't pay that much more for me to put you guys into childcare after school so I have to come home yeah like because there's three of us 
So it's three times, sometimes it's 250 to 500 a week people yeah. are paying. That's insane. Oh, and week. That was when we were kids. Yeah, so was, just imagine yeah. what it is now. It's probably way more now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people can barely afford a, a place to live, let alone childcare and all these other expenses. It's just ridiculous. Mm. And so then how it's are you like, gonna, how are you going to enable that through your? Um, I don't, I don't know. And that's just like, for me, that's just my greater purpose. Mm. So right now, because I don't know, I just, when I put a goal in my mind, sometimes I don't know how I'm going to get it done. I just, I just do the right thing. Yeah. I just manifest it. I do the right thing and I work hard and things come together. Mm. I love that. I was actually just talking about this yesterday with Bianca with like, what is it called? The secret? What is, it, what, what is the word for it? The well, secret. The secret, but like uh, it's called uh, setting your intention. Hmm. And it's really a more of a math problem because there's an infinite number of things you could possibly be thinking about or trying to do. Like I could pick up and say, um, I want to start a car wash. And I start talking to so-and-so, hey, do you want to invest in a car wash? And then eventually at some point, if you just keep trying right, that, it's going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. So. I love that you're just saying, well, I don't, I don't really know how I'm going to do this, but this is my intention and I'm going to talk about it and people are going to hear it. Maybe somebody listens to this and they reach out to you and say, oh, I know so-and-so that can do this. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I love that, that you just... I think the less anxiety I put on things, it's easier said than done, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's so hard, but whenever I'm able to really just focus my energy and put something in my mind, it always happens. Even if it's something crazy, it all just comes together somehow. I think if you work hard and you do good business with people, you do right by people, things are gonna always flow your way. So I don't really, I try not to worry, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I say it again, like every time me and you have worked together, Jessica, it's been like very easy and I think that's why we keep coming back and working together. But then, like, all these random serendipitous things keep happening to us. Yeah. Like, you're like, hey, I want to pitch this publication. And I make a mention. And then another one of my clients got uh, an article in Forbes because I made that pitch. But, like, we ended up, you know, getting you the writership there. And, and then just yesterday, I'm with the people who introduced me to you. Brian yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing guy. And... He says, oh, I would like to get involved in the event. I can offer you this space that can hold twice as many people. And now my now this goal of, of helping people become more authentic and mindful leaders is, is now doubled because I have a bigger event space for it. And it's like, That's I, amazing. I think the missing link is just like getting out and being social and yeah. not just like sitting at your desk and jamming keyboard. Mm. And I just know. doing what makes you feel good with and also be productive. Mm-hmm. You can do what feels good and still make money. Yeah, and people are attracted to people who are doing things. You can't do things in a vacuum. You know, you have to tell other people. It's definitely yeah. been a challenge for me, though. Like being a, a digital marketer, it's like I could sit at my desk all day and theoretically produce. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a that's a different thing. It definitely is. Hmm. Coming coming out here, though, I, I noticed that one of my first contacts here was. Um, he, he, he manages Kanye's producer. So he's like up there in the music world. He works at Maverick and he's a manager there. And this guy, like, he couldn't answer an email for the life of him. And he was bad with his phone, bad with text message. I'm like, how do these guys, one, become so successful, but two, get so much done? And I realized it's because they're getting out and they're, they're making things happen by, by meeting people, by brokering deals, by like getting so-and-so signed to a Relationships. Label. Yeah, and so then when I moved out to LA, I was like, Okay, I'm going to put more focus on that. I didn't even like consciously. I was just like, I want to have more of a social component to my life. And then mm-hmm. you know, we started hanging out and working and we started hanging out and working, Jordan. Just like all of these opportunities keep blossoming from it. I think sometimes it's just as easy as putting an idea in your head and believing that you can do it. Like, I'll do the same thing. Like, maybe I feel like I'm getting a little bit less social because I can do a lot of things at home. And I'm just like, like, you know what? I'm, I'm social. I'm going out. People like me. People want to hang out with me. People want to invite me places. And I'll keep telling myself. It's a good little narrative. Yeah, well, I'll keep telling myself the things that I want. It's, it's definitely a useful narrative. And, and it really works if you just keep those things in your head and you believe them. Even sometimes when you don't believe them and you're having a bad day is, like, actually the best time to say it. Mm. And it happens. Because you can change the stories you're telling yourself. Yeah. And I, I, I make a 
very strong point of trying to do that all the time. I've dealt with like anxiety and like just uh, massive uncertainty. On I think we all do, of, dude. Lack of confidence. And I've looked at it like, why am I telling myself this story? Why am I, why am I telling myself the story that I'm not a good networker or I'm not good in social settings or I can't talk in front of people? Well, because you had one bad experience, that's the kind of person you are. Yeah. Like, that's how I talk to myself, and it works. Like, come on. You a bitch. Yeah, you a bitch. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's good to, like, tell yourself self that stuff and write down those things so when you're not feeling good, you can just go over that notebook and read them over again. Mm. That helps a lot. Journaling. Yeah, I've been, told, I've been told by, like, four people that I should be journaling in the last, Man, like, two, the last two journal. weeks. No. I, well, that's the thing. That's, that's what I was telling you about learning styles. I was reading that book, uh, Managing Oneself, and it talks about people's different learning styles. Yeah. And uh, I found out mine is just through talking, because like I, I talk things out myself. If I have two different positions about something, I will talk it out. That's why I have to live by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talk to myself all the time. I'm an only child. I have a half-brother, but we didn't grow up together, so we're both like only children. Uh -huh. And I do it so much. One time I was talking to myself in a parking lot, and I was like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this homeless lady? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But we all do it sometimes. Yeah. So we all feel well, those feelings, too. Entrepreneurs love to talk to themselves. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's necessary. <laughs> Only you know you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to need answers here, Johnny. Right. <laughs> Like, only I have certain answers, so I just need to talk it out with myself. <laughs> it's so weird because my team sees me talking to myself, or like, I'll be at my computer, like, motherfucker. Mm, yeah, like, all, all the time. <laughs> I gotta like blow up that steam, you know? Yeah. Call it on. <laughs> I do all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, um, I, I'm sure it's a tendency of just like people who are who are working a lot though because it's like yeah. I can't stop and have a conversation I can't have a water cooler talk every like 20 minutes I just gotta like just gonna have to journal this out or talk it yeah. out and as weird as it sounds I think that it has a similar effect to journaling of like just like verbalizing it like forcing yourself to like put your thoughts into like words and like become a cohesive just, mm -hmm. you know sentence yeah but I, I have noticed that like journaling during the hardest times of business or in relationships journaling was like my secret weapon that was like the thing that like hmm. really like it would, it would take like a, a bad circumstance process it and then remove it yeah. and if it didn't i would just journal it again like two three days in a row and and then eventually it would pass completely yeah which is really mind-blowing to me I feel like everything's so simple, but we make it hard. And sometimes it's easy to make it simple, and then sometimes it's not. You just have to keep reminding yourself. That's one thing I'm fascinated about you, Jessica, is that you don't you don't have like all these systems and methodologies that you're reciting. And like, I, like I have one friend. He's like the most robotic entrepreneur, and he has like writes everything down. Everything's like written into processes and standard operating procedures and all this stuff. And, and you're like, oh, sometimes I just write it down and then it's gone and I can move on. Yeah. And it's like so simple. You made it so easy that anyone can do it. Whereas like when I see this guy who I'm referring to, like he writes down his, his goals every single day and it's like 48 goals. He writes them by hand in his notebook at like 5 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. He blows a half hour on it every single morning. And I'm like, do you really need to write your goals down every day? And then you got somebody like you. Who Does that work for him? I mean, or is sure he just getting anxiety? I feel like sometimes we put too much anxiety on our goals and dreams, and then it's not even fun anymore. Yeah, what fun and it doesn't cool. happen. It's like oh, oh, I need it to happen, and then it happens. You're like, oh, I need the next thing to happen. Oh, it's like mm. uh, chill out. Like, you catch yourself not breathing yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I used to have like, I mean, sometimes I still get a lot of anxiety over work, but I used to get so much more, and now I'm just kind of more like. Sometimes I, I get mad, and then most times I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> Whatever's gonna happen is what's. I used, gonna I used to really get triggered by my work, like employees doing stuff wrong or other people doing stuff wrong. And now, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just lazy, but I like kicked out of gear and I'm like just cruising. I'm like, nah, I, I think it's, 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 it's better for the long term to have that approach because, like, that's I'm very high strung, 
And what helps me naturally, 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 I'm naturally very high strung. So what's been helping me, I would say within the last years, so I do take CBD and it does work for me. Some people it doesn't work for them. I take it in the morning, lower dose in the morning, and then a higher dose at night so I can get a a good night's sleep. But meditation has completely flipped my life upside down. Being able, there's something about, there's a few things about it. So there's something about being able to sit still. How many people do you talk about doing meditation with that say, oh, I just can't sit still? Yeah. Almost every single person says that, that doesn't, that doesn't have an open mind as to it. As if it's some logical reason for why and, you shouldn't even try. Yeah, no, like as if that, no, that's the best reason why you should try yeah. it at least. Because when you're sitting still and you can get to the point where you can be there, be somewhere else. Like you can separate yourself from what I call like the thought machine that to know that the thoughts that you are having are not your own. So you don't have to be married to them. Yeah. It's like, Oh, then that way you don't have to think, why am I thinking this? I shouldn't be thinking this. It's like, doesn't matter because this thought machine is just pumping out all these things yeah. that's not you it doesn't have to be you you don't have to only latch on to it only it. only if you do adopt it but that's the thing is that when you're meditating you can notice that oh this is two different things this thought machine is always going to be run there's always going to be these thoughts anymore like, yeah, yeah. But, and i think like giving yourself time to like sometimes i do get mad or sometimes people do piss me off and mm. sometimes i do do the wrong thing but I recover and then I move on. Mm-hmm. And some people just say, they stay in that place and they're like, oh, I messed up or I did this. Or, and then they're, I'm just like, okay, on to the next thing. Like, get over it and move on. Apologize if you have defeated the wrong thing. And then that's it. And the people who recover, I feel so like, are the people that are successful. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think there's something to be said too about allowing yourself to feel because I've, I've had that issue to pretend like it doesn't bother me it doesn't bother me it doesn't bother me it doesn't bother me even though it does and then you repress it and then you explode at some point yeah so i know what that's like so to internalize and say okay this is bothering me why is this bothering me and then actually to try to have the feeling penetrate you entirely there's this book called tuesdays with maury a lot of good things about it. It's very good. Yeah. No, I have it. And he talks about I will now. Yeah, it's very short. It's very easy to read. Yeah, and he talks about allowing, imagine an emotion, specifically maybe a negative one, because this is usually the, the issue with it. A negative emotion is like an arrow, right? And you can either choose to keep that arrow in you and not deal with it, or you can let it go all the way through and pull it out. It's going to hurt to deal with that arrow, to deal with those emotions, to pull it out. But then it's gone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, I love that imagery of that, of reading that book. That's exactly like, what it feels like that when you're like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Like those memes where it's like the spiritual awakening, what people make it seem like. It was like this angel. And they're like, and then they're like, what it really feels like. It was like someone drowning. They're like, I'm so like, true. so true. Because <laughs> it's painful, but it's so necessary. Mm. It's worth it after. Mm. But while you're going through it, it's like. But that's why people avoid it. It's a little bit. Because it's rough. But yeah. it's like you have to make that sacrifice. Mm. Can you talk to us about your spiritual awakening, Jess? Or whatever um, you're comfortable with? No, I'm totally fine. Um, I think I continue to have spiritual awakenings. Like, I always want to go to the next level, and my eyes kind of just open up more and more and more, and I try to become even more aware of the things I'm doing and what I'm putting out there, even subconsciously. You don't even realize all the things you're putting out before you even talk, or even not even just your body language, your thoughts. Like, people can feel your energy and the things that you're thinking about them or people saying can about them. People can sense when you've been talking shit about them. Mm. Or, like, oh, that's so true. It, it's just like, even if you're nice and your energy is cool and you know, oh, I know how to shift my energy or I know how to, do, like, no, like, they, they don't know what it is, but something's up. Like, I'm just learning to be more positive and being careful of things that I say about other people and myself. And it's like a constant process. and so it makes it so much fun though. I feel yeah. like entrepreneurship uh, forces you to have like, you have to shed your skin so many times and like 
after my last relationship ended, I remember thinking, I was on the phone with my mom and I was like, I spent three years meditating every day and doing this and doing that, like crazy discipline in my spiritual practice and my personal development practice and my entrepreneurship. And I was like, mom, I'm still, I still have so much to learn. And I was so frustrated because I'm like, I'm still such a fucking amateur in this. And then I was like, but that's the beauty. Yeah. You know, like that's the fun. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for but that's pain. How, but that's exactly how it is. You're like, what the? And you're going through all this crap. And then you're like, that was beautiful. <laughs> At the end of it, you're like Afterward. so thankful for all the horrible things you've been through because it gives you a different insight on life that other people don't have. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's really weird. That's why I think entrepreneurs are like some of the most developed humans because you get your feelings hurt so many times. And your feelings, basically, like you said before, like you remove your feelings from the equation because you're like, I can't keep getting hurt like that. Yeah. I've been brought to my knees too many times and I'm not going to make my business my personality. I'm not going to get attached to my identity through the company. And it still happens, though. I think people get like, oh, well, it's never going to happen to me again. No, some days are just going to be horrible, but that's okay. But we collect these tools through our practice to help us deal with it. You know, there's always going to be shit that happens to you. But in my opinion, the more meditating that you can do, it's like practice. It's practicing for these things that go wrong. Like everybody's parents are going to die and most likely probably before you. Are you prepared for that? Like that's what that's how I think about these things. Like like there's this um, book that I think I talked to you about. I don't know. It is dark, but it's but it's but it's a reality, though. It's like. There's a, there's a rule in the, the 12 Rules for Life book that I was telling you about. And he says, you should try to be the most useful person at your parents' funeral. And I'm like, damn, how, what kind of mental fortitude do you need to be that person? The most useful person. What does that mean? To help others. To be like a, a, a pillar of light and to be useful as far as like organizing yeah. the because you have to organize the funeral you have to that's do all this that's definitely gonna be me yeah because yeah. whenever my family's like I'm like everybody get it together grandma yeah <laughs> I, I feel the same way they fight and then when I come in the room I'm like what's going on they're like nothing nothing <laughs> my mom my aunt like everybody they're just like no no we're not fighting everything's fine <laughs> I think for years of wanting to be like the favorite child, I became that. Well, I'm the only child. Let's hope your siblings aren't listening to this. <laughs> That's so nice. I didn't even have to work for it. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> yeah, we're already yeah. shining yeah. one. I got the middle child syndrome, so I'm always jockeying for attention from You're also the most balanced. By the psychological studies. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Huh. They tend to, they get, they, parents make the mistakes on the first few kids, or the first kid, and then the second one they're a little bit looser with, and then the third one they baby it. So they become kind of like the more spoiled one, mm. and the other one is like the one who's all beaten down and repressed from years of discipline. And then they're jealous of the other two kids yeah. or whatever because. Why, why did they get to watch this movie when they were 12? I had to wait till I was yeah. 16, you know? <laughs> so you had it better than you thought, apparently. Oh, I didn't say it was bad. Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't say it was bad. No. Do, 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 those, uh, do those themes ring true in your family? Um, mildly. Mildly. I would say that it sounds about right, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for the most part. I remember, I'll never forget. Actually, I'll, I'll never forget the being told this because I, I don't remember doing it. But when, so I have a younger brother who is 15 months younger than me. And my mom told me, she said, when, she, when they came home from the hospital after he was born, I was like, mommy, 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 mommy. And then here comes the little uh, car seat thing. And I was like, baby, <laughs> baby, baby. And then that's where the jealousy started. Apparently. Oh, no. Me and my brother were not friends until I was about 16. Really? <laughs> yeah, we were at each other's throats for the whole childhood. It was not good. That's... Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's, 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 a, brother. that's a middle child thing, to be jealous of the... Of the, the energy. Youngest. Yeah. The, the kids are envious of mm-hmm. the attention that the younger ones get. Yeah. But I'm over that. He's my best friend now, so... That's nice. Yeah. Well, that was my grandma's favorite. 
and my aunt's favorite. So I guess I was still a favorite. <laughs> yeah. I was a little brat and I was like such a I was so mean about it too. Like mm. but yeah, well, it's it's funny though, because like when I started working with you, I, I didn't know what to expect of working with models because like there's all Was kinds of scary? Per- perceptions that people have. Either like they they don't work super hard because they're just modeling, or maybe they don't they don't study that much, or whatever the the stereotype was. But like when I got to know you, I'm like, oh, this girl's humble, hardworking, and smart. Like we'll get along well. But that that was like. I, I found that because you were so entrepreneurial and you like worked so hard for so many years that you were more mature than a lot of other males and females who I dealt with along the way. And it was kind of surprising to me because it's like, I feel like all of the, the armchair coaches who like sit there and like, you know, say watch Victoria's Secret show and they're like, her butt's too small or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, that's clearly just haters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, but like now that we're well, you never know because I feel like when people see my Instagram or maybe they hear something and they get a certain misconceptions about me, so they just don't know what to expect when they're working with me. And I think everyone's always surprised. Mm. So that's a good thing. The the amount of companies that you started, the projects that you've worked on, like you gotta have a high level of intellect to do that I think I mean I do think I'm intelligent but I also think I just realized how to work with people and how to work around people and how to figure things one. out that, that is perfect yeah. work around work with and around people because that's that's really what business is because yeah. you're not like you're not working with like an entity at, at the end of the day you are working with other Another human, human beings yeah and you actually need each other even if that person seems useless like mm-hmm. they are doing something mm-hmm. so it's like figuring out what people are good at what and treating everyone differently and figuring out what works for them or how to speak to them or mm-hmm. like and what they're learning, motivated yeah, by learning different people's languages and trying to figure out I think I'm good at figuring out what someone's language is when I meet them. I can kind of figure out how to speak with them when I'm talking about business or when I need them to execute something. I think that's what makes me good at business. Mm. Mm. So basically just hard work and learning. I mean, just paying attention to everything. Like just when I'm talking to somebody, when I'm like, just everything about them, it, it, plays a part in how I'm dealing with them on the business side and I think that helps me get things done. Yeah, I found when I was working at Comcast, which is a huge company, 100,000 employees, I, I had my dream job. I was a marketing strategist. So this is basically the person who's like, calls the shots on all the marketing campaigns but doesn't have nice. to do any of the work, right? <laughs> and um, it was my dream job. I had just finished my, my master's degree in business and they only took MBAs at that job. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna dominate. And I remember my boss who was, she was this older single woman who you could tell she had a chip on her shoulder. And I loved working with her, but nobody else could work with her. I mean, I got my fair share of beatings, but I, I liked working with her because she was a VP. So like gave me all this really good, like high level training. So I got to sit in these board meetings. She would take me to the, the 50th floor of the building and we would go present our marketing plans. And she would have me present my own marketing plans instead of her taking credit for them, which is really admirable in the corporate world because she could easily take credit for my work. She said that the reason that she, she had me present to in, in these, it would be like a conference room like this, but with like 50 chairs on each side. So really long, like a ton of like old white guys in suits. <laughs> and uh, I would present these marketing plans and she was like, you have the best listening for the room. Like you know how to, you can pick up the signals that people are putting off and respond to them like in real time. And that's why I think she honestly thought I could do it better than she could, or she was just really trying to empower me by like giving me the stage. But that was why she had me, you know, representing like a group of like thousand marketers in the company. Probably Um, both. I don't know, but all I know for sure is that like your ability to read people and yours as well makes you like really jive quickly and like things can be super natural, very natural. Or supernatural. Yeah, or supernatural. Yeah. yeah. I think I can, I can make things work, but 
I'm at this point I realize that when you force it it just like doesn't ever work out anyway so mm. finding I think we already talked about this before too just finding a balance between I'm working hard and I'm trying to compromise with this business or person or whatever it is but then still not forcing it it's hard to kind of figure out what's what that's mm. hard mm. And, and when you're young you're like oh fuck it I'm gonna keep working for this client but now me and you at least we've, we've been like no thanks we don't want to work with that client yeah and then we don't call them anymore I mean I don't I, I don't think you should I'll never tell them that but always kind of go out of my way for difficult clients and give them way more than what they ask for because I just learned that difficult clients they never are happy so if like I'm giving you more than what you asked for on paper which another thing if somebody's really difficult I always want everything on paper and on record but if somebody is very difficult I make it a real point down to the hair of everything that they want and to way overdo it so that there's nothing that they could say. Mm. They also tend to be, the people who are the most vocal when things are going wrong often are, they can turn around and be the most vocal about things that went right as well. So you can convert somebody and they can be your biggest yeah. you know, cheerleader after that. Mm. Sometimes not, but... Most I times I think you're right. Because especially when you're kind to them through them being really difficult, which is really hard. They realize it when you're not reacting to them. But mm. if you're reacting with them, then they don't realize it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so interesting being in client services because you like your whole job is like dealing with other people's emotions that's your whole responsibility that that is your whole job as a business owner in general I think in life seriously is just dealing with other people's emotions and learning how to speak their language well and that's why being like malleable being like water is so important is I can go yeah, like, re- really, like, I can go, especially coming from the cannabis industry, it's really funny, because a lot of those people are, have been criminals for however long, 20, 30 years, and so you got some OGs, you got some, like, big kingpin-type characters that I can jive with and just have a regular conversation, and then that same day go into a lawyer's office and with suits and ties and talk their language too. Yeah. Like being able to do that is so important. Yeah, and, and it's think, very rare. Yeah, it's very rare and I think I think it's important to talk about because yes, you do want to stay genuine to who you are, but to to the extent of not like rubbing people the wrong way for no reason. Like if you want if you if you want a successful relationship with so and so law firm, don't don't treat them like shit. Don't go in there, you know. It's really that like, simple. Yeah, it's really, it's really that simple. But I think, like, like you were saying, people being surprised maybe because you're able to speak their language and, and yeah. actually work with them in a collaborative setting. Like, oh, so this is your working style? Okay, we can come to a compromise and do this. Yeah. It's so important to be able to for, do for that. For years, Jay-Z was criticized for, for his rap being in, like, hood language or, like, the streets language uh-huh. and then being in, in meetings and like being like this sharp businessman and people really trolled him for it because they're like oh it's not authentic but I always admired him because I'm like look dude you gotta know who your audience is he came from the streets so like by yeah. all means you can still be authentic you know and not everyone can be comfortable in every room it's a big asset to a company to have somebody like that yeah you know that's so funny because I've heard people say I really like that you said the word authentic because I've heard some people say, well, I don't, I don't want to play that uh, sing and dance for these people. I, 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 I gotta be myself. It's like, it's like, okay. <laughs> like maybe but. it is for them though. Maybe that's where they need to be. Not everybody's meant to go in every room. Most I, people are not made to go in every room. I agree with you. Here's, that's okay. Stay, stay in the little closet. And yeah, like if that's where they're happy and they're comfortable, then that's where you should go. For sure, I, I agree. But don't also say that you want these other things where that is necessary. Well, most people say that they want things, but they are not going to actually do what's necessary to get them. That's mm. the majority of people anyway. Yeah, that's so true. If you don't want to go somewhere new, then you're not going to get anything new. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you can't get what you haven't had by doing the same things you've done before. Yeah. It just doesn't work like that. You're going to have to do the same things. You're going to keep getting the same results. Right? Yeah. All right, well, we're getting a little tight on time here, and I know we got to prep for the event tonight, which I'm really stoked about, and I appreciate you so much for coming out, Jessica, to, to speak with us this evening. Thanks for having me. To be on stage um, with the other amazing people. My last question for both of you is, uh, so now we've figured out how to work really peacefully and smoothly and to flow. How do we take on conflicts? How do we grab it by, you know, grab the devil by the horns? Or do we? Do you want to go first? Um, I think for me, at one point in my life, I was reacting too much. And then I started reacting too little. And now I'm at a point where I just will really pick everything apart and process everything and figure out what works for me. And sometimes that means not talking about it right away and kind of thinking about, am I upset for the right reasons? And most times you're, you, should, you don't even have anything to be upset about. You kind of pick it apart and figure out, I need to pick my battles and figure out which ones are really important. Does that affect your business or does it really affect your life or is it just your ego? Yeah, Yeah, if this doesn't affect my company, it's not affecting anyone's well-being, it's not creating bad energy in the company, then Mm. I think that you kind of have to learn how to let a lot of things go, especially when you have employees and kind of just work with them and and talk it out and figure out what's bothering them. Because a lot of times, too, when people are upset, they're upset about something else, too. And maybe you did something, you don't even realize what you did. So I think starting off conversations, especially with employees, like, is there something going on? Did someone do something? Did I do something? Let's talk about it. I think that's a good way to start off a conversation. And most times, people usually react to that pretty well. Mm. Yeah, so check yourself. That was important. I like that part about, am, am I being reasonable with my emotions? Because that's a very good first question to ask. Like, this person pissed me off. Okay. Is it warranted to say something? <laughs> like that's a really good first reaction. How I deal with conflict is I really like to try to get ahead of it before it starts by setting very clear expectations when I engage with someone. I'd like to set, just like you were saying earlier with contracts, making sure everything is outlined in detail. It's so important and that's, that's what a contract is. It's setting expectations. So whether you're working with a new client or you're bringing on an employee or like, I mean, even for me, I say what you will about this, but I say, I, I do this in even relationships, like in personal relationships or, or in uh, dating or and it's kind of been working for me. I mean, you know? I feel like that sounds like a great idea, yeah. actually. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, just so you know, I'm really... Uh, I'm not into texting. Like I'm just not into texting. So if you if you're gonna text me, you know, how's your day going at 3 p.m. and you get upset because I don't respond, this is not gonna work. I literally have had that conversation. Yeah. And um, so it's, so I so I say I would say setting expectations is about at least 50% of it. Setting very clear expectations and saying like this this is what I expect from you when this happens and I say this, it actually means this, and it doesn't. I, I just had that conversation today with my social media team. I said, I'm going to send you guys very short responses to your very long text messages because I'm busy. If you really need to get a lot of information out of me, call me instead. And they both, I could, I could, I could hear them proverbially wiping off the sweat on their forehead, like, oh, okay, so he's not pissed at us. He's just not a, Texter, I'm not gonna text you any more than three sentences. Yeah. Call me, like that's my working style. So I had to set that very clear expectation with them. And as far as dealing with the conflict, I like to live my life by the saying that says, a man's success in life is determined by the number of uncomfortable conversations he is willing to have. So I always think about that before I go into something that's like, okay, this is gonna be tough. But I need to be clear, and I need to be direct, and I need to be fair. So there's this really good book, actually, called Crucial Conversations. I think everybody... We need your book list yeah, after this. Yeah, I think everybody should read this book. I actually I need to read it again, I think. It's called Crucial Conversations, and it talks about how to approach dealing with an employee that's, that's really good at their job, but they're awful to be around. Oh, that's or, the worst. Yeah, it's, I know. What do you do with that person? 
Keep on. <laughs> <laughs> try to make them happy. Like, do you need anything? <laughs> put them in, in a corner office alone where they don't have to deal yeah. with anything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it, it, had, it outlines very specific scenarios like that, and it's been very useful to me in my life. So that's how I deal with that conflicts. Yeah, I think one thing you mentioned, like about having hard conversations, like I used, I think for everybody, but for me especially, it was really hard to have hard conversations. And the way I got around it was by basically like dipping like one toe in the water, like being like, hey, can we have a hard conversation? Like literally saying those words. And then it becomes easier. Or like just like exposing it a little bit, be like, I've been feeling a little uncomfortable with like the workload balance. And then, and then usually the other person comes out and says like, Oh, I got a lot to say about that. I'm so sorry this happened. Or I'm, I'm, I get where you're coming from. I know you've been doing most of the work lately. And it makes it way easier. It's like, it's, it's just like barely like poking the conversation. Coming in with the right energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is sometimes hard. Keeping it simple. Yeah, it is. It's like, we should talk is the worst thing. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the opposite. The opposite would be like, look, I have something that I need to talk to you about. That's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. All right. With that, Etio, thank you so much for your time thank and you. energy and this amazing conversation. We'll put those notes in the book, with the book list in the notes, and uh, yeah, have a wonderful evening. Cool. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Cheers. Boom. Well,